uh, we've been going through the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, and we're, uh, we're still in it. We're in chapter 7, and this whole next paragraph is, is quite uh, big, so we're going to break that down uh, as we have several other things, and we're just going to look at two verses today, uh, very, very, very in, uh, important verses uh, in Matthew chapter 7. And it's talking about twos. You know, there's a, a, a narrow gate and a wide gate, and then that's the only two that we're looking at today. But he, he breaks everything else down, and he gets talking about two destinations and two fruits and two houses and two kinds of people and two foundations. And he uses all of that to illustrate really what he's saying uh, today. And that is um, there's a narrow gate. It's, it's kind of if you picture a funnel, you know, a funnel on one end is large, and then on the other end, it's small, depending on whatever size funnel you have. Uh, and if you, if you think about it that way, he says, you know, if you enter in this wide end of the funnel first, you have to understand it's going to get very, very narrow at the end. And if you enter in the narrow end first, it becomes very, very open at the end, meaning the open end ends up in blessedness. The narrow end is damnation. So he says, be careful. Uh, and don't be fooled, uh, because it's much easier to start in the wide one, uh, but it ends in a place. And, and one thing I'll just go ahead and say right away, when he's talking about these, these uh, gates, this gate that is broad, it doesn't have the term hell written over it. It has heaven written over it. And so the devil says, oh yeah, this wide gate, it leads to heaven, he doesn't start by saying, oh, no, this wide gate ends to hell. No, he says he's going to tell you and try to show you that it leads to heaven. He said, but it doesn't. And that, but it doesn't really say it that way. He said, but you got to be wise. So that's the verses. It says, enter you by the narrow gate. You know, um, I, I can't help but think about sometimes some of us have been around trailers and having to back them and uh, by mirrors. And it would be like this. It would be like. You have a six and a half foot gate, and your trailer is six foot. So you only have three inches on each side. What does that mean? You have to pay attention, or you're going to have a problem. Okay? Jesus is saying here, you, you must pay attention. Why? Because this gate that you really need to go through is very, very narrow. You know, a lot of people rush to the wide gate. You know, it's a lot easier to, to back something through a wide gate, isn't it? You know, uh, on, on the farm, uh, during peanut season especially, we would find ourselves in a particular place where we didn't have a tractor on site, and we had to back a trailer that had a pivoting front end. What do they call those? There's a name for them. What are they? Alan, do you remember? No, it's... Um, you know, the axle turns in the front, and it turns very, very easy. <clears throat> so it's very, very difficult to back it with an automobile. It's hard enough with a tractor. I mean, you have to pay attention because it turns easy. But uh, sometimes I'd find myself, and I learned the secret, how you do that. You can do it with a pickup, but you've got to pay attention. You have to go very, very slow, but you can do it. M most people don't want to even try to do it. Why? You can do it. You just have to pay attention. And that's what Jesus is saying. He said, listen, there's a lot of people in church who are not paying attention. They think they're going through the narrow gate, and they're not. 
they're going through the wide gate, and it's going to be very, very confining into a place called damnation in the end. So it's a very severe warning that he's issuing here in this part. But then again, he goes on, and he'll say, there's two types of people. There's two houses. There's two foundations. There's two trees. There's two fruit. And he said, there's always that. So he illustrates it and how it works. Enter in the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many going that way. We'd rather back through a wide gate, eh? Any of you backers? You ever back anything? You want a wide gate, right? You know what? I hate short tongues on trailers. You do not want a short tongue on a trailer. Why? Because it turns too quick. You want a long tongue. You have more time to work with it. Am I right, guys? Girls? Maybe some of you girls do it. Have to back something. For narrow is the gate, and straightened is the way that leadeth to life. But only if you go there. You know, I, we already see after the first service, we're not going to get done. <laughs> but down in Luke chapter 13, some of the people asked Jesus, he said, how many people are going to heaven? You know what he says? Not many. What? Oh, yeah. You know, how many times in the Old Testament is, this, is God talking about that? And he says, what? Only a fraction. What is a fraction? Not much. Of his own chosen people, the Jews will get to heaven. Why? Because they wouldn't trust Jesus as a Messiah. They trusted in, they went through that wide gate of externals, and they said, oh, my goodness, we're the children of Abraham. We're surely going to get in. And Jesus said, oh, no, no, you're not. He said, you've got to pay attention. And that's what this is about. He's been giving us his standards throughout the Sermon on the Mount. We started with chapter 5. My goodness, when was that? Months ago. Uh, and he's, he's bringing us up to this, and he's talking about these things, and now he hones in, and he says, you've got to make a decision. And this is what he's talking about. There's two ways. One of them is self-righteous, self-sufficient. That's what chapter 5 said. Right? He says, unless your lifestyle, whenever he says your righteousness, it means your lifestyle, you know, how you act, where you go, what do you do, your lifestyle. He says, unless your lifestyle goes beyond that of the scribes and the Pharisees who were self-righteous, self-sufficient, who were hypocrites, unless your lifestyle goes far beyond theirs, you will not make it into heaven. That's what he says in chapter 5. And now he comes along and he's gonna, he says, that's how, what they are. They were external people. They said, it really doesn't matter if we hate our neighbor as long as we give the offering. Right? And Jesus said, oh, no, no, no. And that's what he goes. He said, no, even if you hate somebody, you're just like a murderer. So he's moving it. He said, oh, no, your whole life. You know, any of us on a lot of days can talk a good game. But how does it live out in your life? That's the, that's the issue that he's talking about here, your righteousness. How does it live out in your life? You know, how, what kind of, how is it showing up in that? He's shown what the kingdom is like and what people are like. And that's what he illustrates through these things for the next few weeks. He presents the choice of entering the kingdom or not. You got, you got a choice, you know. The Lord focuses on the inevitable decision. You say, well, I'm not going to decide. I'm going to be one of those who said, you know, God's ordained it from heaven, and if I'm one, I'm not, I am. If I'm not, I'm not. Just by default, I can tell you what default is. You go to hell. You have to make a choice. You know, God has ordained that. He's done everything, as we're going to see, to bring us to that point. But we have a choice about everything, don't we? How many choices you get, have you made today already? Well, I'm not getting up and going to the early service. That's one choice. 
I'm not getting up. Some people decide not to get up. Or they not they decide not to come, whatever they're doing. A lot of people, I don't know what they're doing today. They're laboring on Labor Day, right? They're not laboring on Labor Day. The crossroads where we must decide, you're going to decide. Well, I'm not going to decide. Oh, no, you've just decided. Your decision was not to decide, but you made a decision. You just chose the broad way by default. You just said, well, if I don't do anything, that's just what, that's just what it's going to be. Our lives are filled with those decisions every day. Will I drink coffee? I hate coffee. But Debbie says, I need to drink a cup so I'll keep from going senile. <laughs> Literally, they, they think that helps. I don't know. But I hate coffee. But I make a decision. Am I going to do this or not? You know, every day I make a decision. When I wake up at 3.30, am I going to get up now or am I going to wait a little while? I had some bad dreams just last night, well, this morning, about 2 o'clock. I watched too much politics yesterday. That's what Debbie said. I told you not to do that. Well, I was about to be in prison myself. And I woke up, thank the Lord. Don't you hate that? You're in that dream and you said, my goodness, this is real. And then all of a sudden, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm dreaming. I, don't, I didn't do anything wrong, but I was with somebody. <laughs> That's the story of my life. I mean, literally. And it said, uh-oh, we told you to take the car. This is what the dream was about. We told you to take the tag off the car so they couldn't identify us. <laughs> I didn't do it. Thank the Lord I woke up. We made decisions. But, oh, we're not going to decide this one. We're going to let God decide. Then you've just decided. You're going to be damned. You're going to spend eternity in a condemnation. That's what it says. And there's a lot of people in church playing games and say, oh, well, you know, I've been baptized and I'm on church membership roll, so I'm in. Not necessarily. And that's why Jesus gets real, real strict about it. He said, oh, no, no, you've got to decide. In perfect harmony with God's sovereignty, meaning, does God know? Absolutely. Everything. Yesterday, 10 million years ago, today, 100 million years from now. He knows everything. That's what sovereignty is. But always allowed us to choose. Adam and Eve, did he give them a choice? He did. You know, I, I told you all that last week. It's so important because some of those brothers and sisters that harp on that, they say, oh, no. And I said, what about Adam and Eve? Oh, well, you know that. I don't, well, wait a minute. Did he give them a choice? Well, they don't know what to say because he did. Like us. He's telling us today. He said, you're going to make a choice. He says, if you choose this, this is where you're going. If you choose this, this is where you're going. He told Adam and Eve, if you eat, this is what's going to happen. History tells us what? Exactly what happened, happened. That's why we're fighting red ants, fire ants. That's why we're fighting Johnson grass. That's why we're fighting pigweeds. And you all know what a pigweed is? You know, they become immune to a, a Roundup. It won't kill them anymore. You use 2,4-D, it'll kill them. But Roundup won't kill them anymore. Why? It's become immune to it. You know, why do we have all that stuff? Because of this. We got to hurry. This is all introduction. He's always pleaded with us. You know what the scripture says? It says, God is not willing that any should perish. He's made every preparation necessary on his part 
in his sovereignty to satisfy himself so that we do have a choice and we can choose to go down the right path. But it's confining. You're going in the small end of the funnel first. But it's going up and up one day. And boy, it's going to be something then. But right now it's a confining. Since mankind turned our, since we turned our back on God in the very beginning, he's spared no expense, his own, his own blood, so that we could be reconciled. You know, that's what it is. You know, you, you do understand that, right? That's the way that works. I, I've used this story before because I, I had a friend that was a big bike rider one time, and I mean, he was, this is before I knew anybody rode a bike very much. He was obsessed with it. Nothing wrong with riding bikes, but he was, in my book, if you go and ride 100 miles a bike a day, that's overboard, all right? For me, because I've never, anyway, it would be like this. If I borrowed his bicycle, and then it was a bicycle that he built himself. You can't buy one like it. He built it, and I borrowed it, and I was irresponsible, and I tore it up so bad he couldn't repair it. So I said, well, I'm just going to go over here at the bike shop, and I'm going to buy one. He said, you can't replace that. There's not another one like that on the earth. Nobody can fix that. And he says, I have to fix that myself. That's what God did. God said, there's nothing that can fix this relationship that's been messed up. I will have to fix it myself. I have to satisfy myself if mankind is ever going to be reconciled to me. That's what salvation is. You can't fix it with baptism or church membership or whatever. Should you do those things? Absolutely. Absolutely. He says we need to do that. There's a reason for it. Does it save us? Absolutely not. No. God said, I have to fix this. So he spared no expense. He did the only thing that could be done that no one else could do, and then he gives us a choice. He said, Terry, whosoever. You know what I mean? Some will and some won't. Some will, you get a choice. I know, again, I was raised in that seedbed, and those people said, oh, no, you don't have a choice. You do have a choice. You always have a choice. If you're willing to pay the price, well, man, if I do that, then I'll lose it. You're, if you're willing to pay a price, you always have a choice. Well, if I do this, then all my family will disown me. You still have a choice, right? We always have choices. That's exactly what God's done. He's made sure that we did. He's provided and shown Everything that has to be done that we can't do, he's done it for us, but we choose. That's why he says whosoever, whosoever. He made the choice by providing the way for redemption. Wow. And now he says, okay, Terry, I've done this and this and this. You're going to go through this gate or going to go through? You're going to go through one of them. You say, well, I'm not going to go. That's my choice. Well, you just made a choice. Your choice was not to decide. Well, you just decided. And by default, it's not a pretty one. <laughs> Israel, what did God tell them in the Old Testament? He says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. So choose. We've always had a choice. Mankind's always had a choice. Always. And that's exactly what he's saying here. He said, listen, you're at this gate. Here's a wide one. Here's a narrow one. You're going to choose, but you need to pay attention because, boy, what looks pretty and easy on the outside, it gets really confining as you go down it. You know how, I don't know, many of you had to, 
uh, trap up any animals to get them in the uh, horse trailer or cow trailer. You know, our, the chute was wide back here, right, when you first start getting them in them, and then it gets how? It gets up here where only one can go through it. Why? Because if you get it too wide, he turns around up there and comes back. <laughs> right? Y'all been there before? I saw my daddy one day. These cows were in the winter, so he grabbed a pitchfork. They went in. They went right on in pretty quick. But you have to have it narrow enough where they can't turn around or two or three can't get in there. It's wide out here, and it starts narrowing down. Why? Because the, the purpose is we got to get them in the trailer or the truck or whatever you're loading them in. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. That's the way it is. By obeying his voice and holding fast to him. That's what Deuteronomy said. The choice between the one and the many. The one and the many wrongs. The one true way and the many false ways. There's a lot of ways out there that people say, oh yeah. You know, it's like the road to Rome. There's a lot of ways to get to Rome. We're not going to Rome. There's one way. Jesus said there's no other name given under heaven whereby we might be saved. And that is Jesus. He says, what? If you come to the Father, you come by me. I am the door. I am the way. I am the light. Singular. You know, that's, that's what he's saying in all this thing. The one true way and the many false ways. There are not many roads to heaven. There are one. There are not many good religions. And I hate to use that word, but we'll just use it as the, the understanding that religion just means a system. Okay? You know, all religions is a, just a system by which people think, okay, this is the system by where we're going to follow these guidelines. This is our system, how to get there. Uh, you know, that's what that is. You cannot come to God in any of the ways that we devise. You know, in the Old Testament, what, is, what was God's prescription? You have to kill an animal. There has to be a blood sacrifice. His prescription, still the same thing. He didn't just say, you know, Terry, you're a good old boy. I'm going to just let you off. No. His prescription was this is the only way. Remember the tabernacle? One door. One door. You had to come in this way to get in the big arena. And then the priest, he goes in there, and there's one door into the Holy of Holies where he would go. You couldn't come in from any other angle. There was only one way in, and God was on the other end. That's what the picture was. There's still that. There's not many ways. There's not a Muslim way and a Presbyterian way and a Hindu way and a, a, a Jehovah's Witness way and a Methodist way and a Baptist way. There's one way, Jesus. You know, Meredith was uh, uh, checking out some of the, I guess you call them the, uh, not religious, but the Christian meetings at school this week, past two weeks. So she went to all of them, the three of them anyway, the Methodist, Baptist, and a Presbyterian and she's just checking them out, trying to find out where her, lo you know, where she's going to fit in. And uh, she she says, I won't call any more names of them, but she went to those. She said, oh, "Can't go over there. That's too fluffy." She's got enough to know. To know this this is this one's not it. And everybody and their brother has this idea. There's only one way. There isn't. There's not a thousand different ways. God's not a neurotic. What would God be if he said, okay, you Muslims, you can get there, but Jesus doesn't have to die for you. Or you Hindus, you just keep going through the cycle, and one day you'll get it right. But Jesus, it doesn't matter. I'm going to just make him die for the Christians only. God would be a lunatic, a neurotic. There is not only one way. And if there was more than one way and God let his own son die, Jesus on the cross, he would not be worth our worship. That's what, that's what that is. That's why he said there's only one way. Oh, but now if you say that, oh, you're just so, you're just so legalistic. 
You're so fundamentalist. You're so nearsighted, narrow-minded. You can look through a keyhole in both eyes. Jesus was like that. You know, that's the way he was. Jesus makes not between religion and irreligion or between higher religions and lower ones. Not a contrast between nice and upright people and foul and degraded people. It's a contrast between divine righteousness, what God does, and what we try to do on our own. You know what religion is? Man's attempt to try to be right with God. Well, if I'll just be baptized, then God will accept me. If I'll just do penance, then God will accept me. If I'll just teach these snotty-nosed little kids on Sunday morning, that God will accept me. If I'll just, you know, if I'll just give some money, God will accept me. No, that's never in there. You know, Jesus dealt with that with the Pharisees. We've already seen quite a bit of that. It's a contrast between divine revelation and human religion, between divine truth and human falsehood. <laughs> it is amazing how far we can get from what God's Word says when a bunch gets together and says, well, I think it means this, and I think it means this. Well, what does it say? It's really not that complicated. Most of the time it says, thou shalt not lie. That's pretty simple, right? Well, you know, it says in this circumstance it's all right. No, it doesn't. It says, thou shalt not lie. Well, you know, if I'm about to be killed, it's all right if I lie. It says, thou shalt not lie. Right? He doesn't qualify it. Most of those times it's really not that complicated. Between trusting in God and trusting in moi. Well, my heavens, I'm not bad as Otis. I'm pretty good. God, I want me a middle route. These fundamentalists over here, you know, they're saying we got to do this. I don't want that one. Man, I don't want to be degraded as Otis is over here. Just give me a little middle road. He said, there is none. There's only two. This one or this one. You don't get to make up your own. <laughs> That's what he's saying. There's always been only two systems, God's and man-made. Still there. One is God's system of divine accomplishment. Who did it? God did. He's the one who killed himself for us. His accomplishment. And the other is man's system of human achievement. Works. Whatever you want to, however you want to put them there. You know, when you look at it, Orthodox Christianity, not Joel Olstein, not Anthony Stanley, Orthodox Christianity it is the only one that does not have works religion. It's how you get right with God. It's all based on the blood of Jesus on the cross, and we're coming under that blood by faith, so, his sin, so our sin is covered and taken away because of his blood. That's it. Outside of Orthodox Christianity, and qualify that, there's a lot of things in the name that say they're Christianity, but they are not. Orthodox Christianity is the way the New Testament church was, what they believed in. One is a religion of God's grace. Isn't that something? Why do you think you should be saved? Well, I'm one of God's finest. So that's why you get there? <laughs> Remember who you're comparing yourself to? Jesus? Or some backslidden deacon somewhere? <laughs> right? It's amazing how I read where a, a, a summer vacationer was on in Maine, and they were trying to get back off of Southport Island and they stopped and asked one of the local guys I said well you know how do we how do we get back over there to Booth Bay Harbor in the the 
the uh, regular said, well, now you got to go back down to this road, and they'll take you to the bridge, and that's how you get back. And they, and they looked at him and said, we didn't cross no bridge. He said, you didn't cross the bridge to get over here on the island? No. He said, well, then you're not on the island. You don't need anything. You don't have anything to worry about. <laughs> it's all messed up. That's kind of where we are. You know, you got the Oprah Winfrey's and all the other quacks out there who say, oh, this is what God's idea is. There's a thousand different ideas out there floating around. Jesus said, there's only two ways. You're either for me or you're against me, right? That's what he says, right? It's really not complicated. The scripture is pretty clear on what that means. You know, that, that's, that's exactly what he's saying. One is religion of faith, the other religion of the flesh. I'm going to trust Jesus. Well, you know, I really got to do this myself because I'm a pretty good old boy anyway, right? Hello. I'm not bad as Otis. We always look down on somebody who's having a hard time. <laughs> the other religion of hypocrisy and the external. That's where the Pharisees were. What did they tell Jesus when Jesus was confronting them? We're the children of Abraham. Who do you think you are? He said, oh, no, no. God can raise up from stones over there the children of Abraham. It has to do with faith. It don't have a thing to do with your bloodline. You know, remember, Jesus got in a lot of trouble with that kind of stuff. There are thousands of religious forms on this earth. How do you get that? Well, you've got to push a butter bean down Hauser Mills Road with your nose, and then you'll be in. You know, you've got, you got to be a member of Harmony. You got to be baptized in, in the Whitaker pool. You know, that's where we do baptism sometimes. You, you, and that's what they say. Oh, well, you got to be in this group or you don't make it. That's external. That has nothing to do with your faith. Should you be baptized? Yes, if you're a believer. If you're not a believer, why would you? You know, we baptize, unfortunately, how many people have we baptized in the centuries who are not believers? You know, we got it from Constantine, right? <laughs> He did more harm to Christianity than, I don't know if anybody else singular who was supposed to be a Christian did. You remember what happened to that, right? You know your history? You remember how much they baptized a lot of the people? They pulled them up by the river, pulled the willow trees over in the water, and roped them, and then turned them loose, and everybody was baptized. So the, all, all these lost people go into the church and wonder why we have a mess. Go back. Look in history. That's what happened. Because he saw a vision. Was he saved? I don't know about that. But the church sure suffered from those kind of things. Why? We're going through a narrow gate and no one's paying attention. You got to pay attention if you're going to get a six-foot trailer through a six-and-a-half-foot gate. Any boys back boat trailers through things like that? Alan and I went and picked up a three-wheel piece of machinery one time. An old sprayer, an old high-boy sprayer. Uh, actually, a... It was a uh, good night. What you call it? What was the brand? It's an old, a blue. Uh, what was it called? Ah, you know the front wheel pulled. They were back in the days when we had tobacco, and they had two smaller back tires and one in the middle. And and when we got there to pick it up, the back tires were so wide that only about three inches of our tire of our machine was on each side, on the trailer. Did you get that picture? Three inches on the trailer. So the guy we bought it from, he said, I ain't driving it up there. Why? Oh, that's, I don't want to do that. Why? Because you got to pay attention. If it fall off, somebody could get hurt. I drove it up on there, unfortunately. 
I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm old enough. I should be afraid of that stuff, right? You know, you're supposed to have that fear thing when you're young that you're not afraid of anything. But as you get older, it comes out in your brain. It's proven that, you know, that's why you're more afraid. You have more common sense then, too. But there's something up there that does that. Why? Why? You just have to be careful. There's a lot of people that usher in this wide gate because it's so appealing. They're not paying attention, but what happens is it's going to funnel down to a damnation one day. And Jesus said, you better be careful. You better be careful. Oh, it looks easy. It does look easy on the outside. Christianity is a religion of divine accomplishment, and it's by itself. That's it. God does it. We can't do it. Even the law given through Moses. What did Paul say? By the works of the law, the Old Testament, the Jews said, oh, we're just going to keep the law. And Paul said, nobody can keep it. He says, if anybody's been able to keep it, I'm faultless. He said, but I saw through the law that I needed help because I couldn't do it. I couldn't keep it. It wasn't supposed to save anybody because it couldn't. But through the law comes the knowledge. You know, as you're backing up, if you're paying attention, you're about to say, well, I'm about to hit this gate. I need to pull up and get over a little bit. Then I might can get through there. You've got to pay attention. There's a lot of people, they don't pay any attention about what's going on in their spiritual life, or they're really committed to Christ, or they just go into church, or just going through the motions. They're, they're in the wide gate, and they think it's heaven. And Jesus said, you need to pay attention because the wide gate doesn't have hell written over it. It has heaven written over it. But it's not. It's very deceiving. The law came to show us, okay, we're already out of time. The necessity of choosing whether to follow God or not, and the facts that choices are two, and only two. You're for me or against me. No middle ground. You know, you, you can't be a chicken on, a, on a, fence po a fence wire. You ever seen one of those? Or a clothesline. You know, our old clotheslines, they had a big swoop in them. He said, what's he talking about? What's a clothesline? It was the day when nobody had dryers, and we hung our clothes outside on a clothesline, and it usually wasn't very tight, so it, it would swoop down in the middle. You ever seen a chicken try to get on one of those? It's not tight enough. He can't. He's a just like that. That's why Jesus said, there's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. Look at your life. There's a lot of people talks a big game, but what they say has nothing to do in correlation to the way they live. Meredith has seen some of that at school. These girls who say, oh, yeah, we're Christians. And she says, and you're listening to that? And you're wearing that? Now, she's not confronting them, but she's just paying attention and looking at it. And she says, and your favorite show is the Kardashians? Hello? You know what that is? I've never watched it, but I know what it is. It's about as ungodly a trash as you can look at. So if you sit here and watch it, shame on you. Because it does nothing to help you. Right? And she's seeing these girls. Oh, yeah, they got these verses, and she's seeing them doing this. She says, that doesn't seem to go together. There's a lot of people, and all of us at some point in time, talk a big game, but does our life go with it? That's what Jesus wants to know. Is our life backing that thing up or not? There are two gates, two narrow and wide, two ways, the narrow and the broad, two destinations, and life and death, two groups, the few and the many, two kinds of trees, the good and the bad, two kinds of fruit, the good and the bad. We'll see all those in the next few weeks. Two kinds of people, the one who profess faith in Christ and sincere and the false ones. We're going to talk about the false prophets. That's why we had to break these things down because, you know, that's a whole other world in itself. So we couldn't take all that in, 
in, in one thing. We won't even get finished with this one. We surely couldn't do that one. They didn't spin that clock up again. What is going on? We just started. Pay attention. The devil would love for you to think that broad gate that you're trying to live in, allowing the world to tell you what to do, where to think, where to go, it does not lead to heaven. It leads to damnation. Jesus said, hey, you better look at it. It's going to be narrow. You know, that's a good thing. Right now, you're trying to live for Jesus, and you said, man, this is confining, and there's joy in the Lord. But remember, one day, it's going to open up so big that you can't even conceive. Right now, it is confining. It is. Jesus expects it. You know, he said, you're not going to be like the world, so it is going to be hard. And you're not going to be like the world, so you are going to be persecuted. But when you see yourself never being persecuted, it might be a good test to say, am I really living any different? Because what did, what did they say? Those who live godly in Christ Jesus, what? Will suffer persecution. Why? The same reason they're persecuting Trump. Because he's not like them. Is he the best guy in the world? No. But the reason they hate him is he's not like them. The reason the world hates us is if we're truly living for Christ, we're not like them. He said there's two ways. Narrow, wide. You're going to choose one of them. Just be smart. Make sure you understand. Pay attention because you're choosing one of them, even by default. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you love us, that you've provided everything necessary for us to not only have the right relationship with you, but have the ability to get through this world and be with you in eternity. Father, help all of us in here analyze where we are. Help us pay attention. Help us not be fooled. Help us make a commitment to enter into that that narrow gate, that commitment to you in our life and knowing that you will sustain us for your glory. Thank you for loving us that much. In Jesus' name, amen.